0: I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's past. Rounding 3rd with Manish Jain. Welcome everybody to another episode of Rounding 3rd with Manish Jain. Today's episode, the Kansas City Royals and Kauffman Stadium. Now this is the ninth stop on my 30 stadium tour and inevitably, whichever stadium that I stop at... um, someone basically asks me, what's your favorite so far? You know, what's been your favorite ballpark so far? What's been your favorite? And that's really a tough question to answer. You know, like I pretty much tell everybody, every ballpark has something so completely unique about it that it depends on what you're looking for. Um, Overall, thus far, Camden Yards is still probably my favorite, but I think, as I think I mentioned in the Camden Yards episode, you know, there's a reason why pretty much every ballpark since 92 has been... We'll just call it borrowing from the Camden Yards design. Um, however, that being said, after my day here in Kansas City, I may have to give the crown, if you'll excuse the horrible wordplay there, to the Kansas City Royals when it comes to the best ballpark in America if you've got kids. Now, obviously, every ballpark is a great place if you got kids. It's one of the things that makes baseball such a unique uh, sport. You know, football, you're not going to see many people under the age of, I'm going to say 21. Um, hockey, you know, you do see some kids every once in a while, but really, it's, it's mainly adults and basketball. Similarly, you know, you see kids, but for the most part, baseball per capita. You see more under 12-year-old uh, human beings in the stands than any other sport. Um, So yes, every ballpark is a great place to bring families. But here at Kauffman Stadium, they have really done just an absolutely tremendous job at giving the kids so many different things to get excited about. They've got mini golf. They've got um, these fountains they can play in. Actually, the one thing that I really liked, uh, which is the first place that I've seen something like this, is this speed test, for lack of a better term, to test your, your uh, speed to first. So basically, they've got a home plate to first base area set up, and you can go in there and run from home plate to first base and try to test how fast you are compared to Billy Butler or Alex Gordon or any number of the Kansas City Royals. The young lady that I watched um, test her speed was against Billy Butler's time, and let me say that this, I'm going to call her maybe an 11-year-old girl, definitely beat Butler to first, uh, but it was really kind of fun to watch these kids have just the time of their lives running around this concourse, but the, uh, I almost said crown jewel, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and stop with the Royals puns, but the, my, my favorite aspect of the Royals stadium was their Hall of Fame. Um, now I, I believe I've talked about Tampa's Hall of Fame and uh, the Braves Hall of Fame that they have set up in their concourses. They're both you know very unique. Tampa's got quite a bit of just history to it as far as they've got a lot of memorabilia for some of the best sluggers in the history of the game. And uh, in Tampa I'm sorry in Atlanta, they've got some great stuff. obviously they got that train that I mentioned in the uh, Braves podcast that you can walk into and kind of see how the old-time ball players, Drove from uh, uh, city to city, but here in Kaufman, I'm telling you, I I really wanted to spend more time in the stadium. You know, it was a shame that the gates only opened an hour and a half before first pitch because I swear, I mean, I could have spent many, 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 many hours, if not the entire day, just checking out this Hall of Fame. Um, during my time here in Kansas City, unfortunately, I had a bit of a back issue, and so I had to stay in bed all day uh, yesterday. And because of that, I was not able to go check out the uh, Negro League Museum, you know, and so that's something that I'm, I'm just gonna have to make it back here to Kansas City sometime soon, because that was something that I was really looking forward to checking out. Um, But luckily for me, at the uh, Kauffman Stadium, they have a great museum where they actually had this uh, this gentleman dressed up in kind of old-timey baseball gear, and he was giving the kids and, and the adults in attendance just a brief rundown of Kansas City baseball, including the Monarchs. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's really nice to see that in a sport where there is so much history that they found a really fun way to... Once again, not only just teach the kids, but even if you're someone who doesn't really know much about baseball to begin with and you happen to just be at the game, they make it really fun and engaging for you to learn a little bit about the history of baseball in Kansas City. Um, This is, though, where I will say one quick negative thing, which is, you know, and this is not just against the Kansas City Royals. This is against many, many ballparks who do this. You need to stop opening the gates an hour and a half before game time. That's just that's. Not nearly enough time to really have any fun, uh, especially in a place like Kaufman Stadium where there is so much fun stuff to do. You know, I mean, if you go there and you try to get around to mini golf, play in the fountains, even just do one quick walk around the stadium, all of a sudden now it's 630 and you got first pitch coming up. We haven't even had time at that point to grab a little bit of food, which I will get to shortly. You know, I had so much fun at this ballpark that if you notice from the running time, much like the Miami Marlins episode, I actually didn't find anybody to interview. Now, that is not because, like the Miami Marlins episode, I couldn't find anybody that was willing to talk to me uh on the on the record. There were plenty of people that I found to talk to me. The problem is I was having too much fun. I forgot to bring my my recorder. I forgot to take it out of my bag. You know, it was just by the time I kind of realized it. It was already game time, and I had to run straight to my seats. An hour and a half is just not enough time. I mean, two hours is barely enough time, to be honest with you. In most of these stadiums, two hours I find myself wanting to come back for more, which I guess, you know, maybe that is what you would want for people that live in the city. If, two hours, if an hour and a half isn't enough, well, come back the next day. So I think I just realized that I'm really asking them to do this for out-of-towners, which, but you know, eh. I just had an argument with myself in my head. So I'm going to go ahead and stop that and try and move on. Um, The bottom line is, I was just having too much fun. And so maybe that is what they did. And um, the hour and a half is a smart move because I think I'm going to have to come back to Kansas City and spend a couple more days here because it was just, um, it was really a lot of fun. Uh, The game that I went to, actually, George Brett was uh, just signed on about a week ago. Uh, for the uh, job as a hitting coach and so I was able to sit about I'm gonna call it maybe 15-20 feet away from George Brett uh, inside the dugout for the entire game which oh boy I mean the image of him running out of the dugout is still one that is just seared in my memory you know there are very few things that I'm pretty sure I'm gonna remember on my deathbed and for whatever reason Watching George Brett lose his mind and run out at Timmy McClelland is just something that, I don't know, it's imprinted on my brain. And so to be able to sit about 20 feet away from him and watch him talk to the ball players as they come in and out of the dugout was something that was a really cool experience for me. You know, here in Kansas City, they obviously, like many teams now, have the setup where the uh, first X amount of rows, six, eight, nine rows there, are relegated for... I mean, I like to say high rollers, but mainly just uh, uh, corporate, uh, uh, se- uh, corporate seating, basically, where for just tens of thousands of dollars you buy season tickets to those uh, to that area. Obviously, your food and drink is included and whatnot, and you have, you know, private parking and access to the club and et cetera, et cetera. And that's all well and good, but to me that kind of takes away from, you know, baseball nerds like myself having the ability to sit as close to the field as possible. However, that being said, the fact that those seats cost so much means that the seats directly behind them can be a little bit cheaper. And so I was actually able to sit in the very first row behind the crazy, ridiculously expensive seats for only 65 bucks. So basically the entire game, as I said, I was looking directly into the Royals' dugout, being able to watch Hall of Famer George Brett coach him up a little bit. Now, the one more thing I wanted to mention about just the stadium itself is its name. It's called Kauffman Stadium. It's not called TD Bank Park or Bose Stadium or, you know, Apple Park. I don't know. It's not, it does, it's not, it's not corporately sponsored. There are no naming rights. It's actually named after a human being. Um, I've had many arguments with several friends of mine about the naming rights issue in not just baseball ballparks, but stadiums across the country. And I understand there are are positives and negatives to having a corporate name. You know, the money that you can get from something like that is, it's kind of hard to turn down, but Kauffman Stadium was named after a man named Ewing Kauffman. Ewing Kauffman is the reason why there is Major League Baseball in Kansas City. And in 1993 the Royals' ownership and their infinite wisdom decided they were going to change the name from Royals Stadium to Kauffman Stadium. So the fact that there's never been a corporate logo on this stadium from its inception is something that I really respect about this organization. Not only does it just sound better, you know, you don't have to worry about corporate logos that are going to maybe bring embarrassment to the franchise and Ron Stadium, or even just losing out the naming rights after X amount of years and having to continually change the name of your park. And honestly, more importantly, you're now showing respect and reverence to the entire reason why this park exists. You know, you are showing that without this man, we would not be sitting here. You know, without this man, we would not have a place that we could create memories with our families, a place that has given jobs to this community. You know, in a sport that... I mean, it basically fetishizes its own history and really revels in the fact that it's been around for so long and, and we like to bring up names from the late 1800s, early 1900s. The fact that only two of the 30 ballparks are actually named after human beings that had an impact on the sport um, is a bit sad to me, you know. Without you and Kaufman, these two lovely human beings that I met at the park today would never have gotten married. Well, maybe that's not true. That might be overstating a little bit but if you go to the website you can see i captured a, um, a cute little couple getting engaged here at the ballpark and obviously you know we've all seen that so far on the tour i think i've seen about three or four marriage, marriage proposals on the uh, jumbotron but uh this is the first one that i've seen where the man actually dropped down to his knees before the game and uh did the whole proposal set up uh in the concourse itself so we all got to watch just um it's very loving embrace, and you know what? Without you and Kaufman, who knows? You know, I, I didn't get a chance really to uh, talk to these two kids too much, just because I kind of figured I'd let them have their moment. But I'm gonna go ahead and just create a scenario here, and you know, who knows if this is true or not? But in my scenario, these two met over a Kansas City Royals game, and had it not been for you and Kaufman, these two would have just walked the earth not knowing each other had existed. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not true, but it makes a better story. Um, but regardless, I just, I, I love the fact that this place is called Kauffman Stadium, you know, um, but I'll put that one to bed. Uh, so the reason why uh, I did this tour actually is, well, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons is that last year when I watched the uh, 2012 MLB All-Star Game at Kauffman Stadium, I was just filled with a a jealousy that I had never gone to this ballpark and I am so incredibly glad that I was able to actually make it here. Um, the one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is the fountains in center field. We've all seen the fountains in center field; they've been there seems like forever. But one of the things that, for whatever reason, I just not really paid attention to is sure watching this, the fountains from uh, the home plate side of the field. They look kind of cool, and they've got they they spray up, and they've got little. Um, areas there for balls to fla- splash into if you can make it that far on a, on, a, on a long home run. But when you're actually standing in center field, uh, so basically the standing room only section of the ballpark next to the big George Brett statue, um, what's really kind of cool is that looking out into the center field area and looking out onto the field, the water is directly underneath you. And so it actually looks like almost like an infinity pool going into the stadium. It really is quite spectacular. Uh, I'm not sure if my word's going to be able to do it justice, so uh, I highly advise you to go check out roundingthird.net, and you can see the uh, photo on my Kansas City Royals posting. Um, it's, it's really quite a beautiful image. Um, I take no credit in taking the shot. The subject in front of me was just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, there are just so many great things about this ballpark I haven't even gotten to. Their gigantic crown-shaped scoreboard in center field. I believe, if I can remember correctly, the scoreboard was something around 84 foot by 104 feet uh, uh, in in dimensions. Just to give you some context to that, uh, that's massive. There you go. That's that's about the most context I'm going to give you for that. It is gigantic. Um, It's a huge HD screen with a large gold crown resting on top of it. And unlike most other ballparks that uh, you'll go to where they – really have these long, wide, gigantic uh, scoreboards, this one is more vertical. And so it really makes for a unique image. And um, actually, if you walk behind the stadium, so if you can get to the ballpark a little bit early and you walk behind the stadium, what you can see is the oblong-shaped scoreboard surrounded by all the empty seats. Um, There's actually a hill that you can kind of uh, uh, crawl onto a little bit there right behind the park. And you could see a really great view of the stadium from behind. And, you know, my words really here aren't doing it justice. You've just got to go and check it out for yourself. There's just so much fun, cool stuff to look at in this stadium that as I'm sitting here telling it all to you, I'm actually kind of regretting that I don't have another day to stay here in Kansas City. Um, But you know what? I'm just going to have to come back. And when I do come back, I'm really hoping to see the same passionate, crazy fans that I saw today, because that's the other thing that I haven't even gotten to yet. Um, once again, one of the reasons why I don't have an interview for you today is that I just got so caught up in everything that I honestly just completely forgot by the eighth inning, i had completely forgotten to interview somebody because I was just so, in, just so mesmerized by the entire experience. Um... You know, the one thing that I absolutely adored about going to a game here is, look, the Kansas City Royals have not been a good ball club for a very long time. And as we all know, I don't care what team you are, we all like to think that our team's fans are the most, you know, we're going to show up, you know, we're not bandwagon fans. And even when our teams are doing poorly, we go and we support them. And that's just not the case for many teams. Uh, Unless you're winning, it's hard to really draw. But that being said, this Kansas City Royals team, And the game that I went to was facing an equally poor, if not worse, Chicago White Sox team. And yes, in the interest of full disclosure, I will admit this was a fireworks promotion night. But, you know, I've been to a lot of fireworks nights and I have seen the massive 8th inning exodus happen many, many times. At this stadium, for a team that really hasn't been winning since the 80s, I saw over 33,000 people pack this place and not leave their seats. Now to give you a little bit of context to this one, about two nights ago, I was in St. Louis, who have been calling themselves the best fans in baseball for many, many years. And they were up five to two in the eighth inning. And yep, there was the eighth inning exodus. I looked around me and people were streaming out to the exits. Not all of them, but enough where I noticed. Here in Kansas City, I was looking around, I was prepared. I was I was looking to my left, I was looking to my right, nobody was moving. I was so shocked by it. I had to take a picture of it. Once again, you can check it out at runningthird.net, but I was so shocked that in the ninth inning, oh, by the way, in a game that they were losing 9-1, to one, they were getting annihilated and nobody left. It was incredibly heartwarming to see that this city so desperately wants a winning ball club. They are willing to stay to the very last pitch and cheer these guys on. They want it. They need it. And they are absolutely supporting this team. That made me so incredibly happy to see. You know, I understand. I've, I, I believe I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but you know, in two thousand and three, I absolutely lived with those one hundred and nineteen losses of the Detroit Tigers. I get it. <laughs> I understand how. Brutal this sport can be. losing 119 times in six months does not do much for your soul. Um, losing every day. I mean, as a fan, I'm speaking. I, obviously, I, I, I have no idea how it is for the ownership or the players or management, but as a fan, you know, losing 119 times is just I don't know, I didn't get numb to it. I'm sure people will say, "Oh, you used to, you don't get used to it." So I can only imagine what the Royals fans have been going through for the last couple of decades here. And the fact that they were still there and they were still cheering them on, it was fantastic. With all that being said, much like the St. Louis episode, unfortunately now it's time to talk a little bit about the food. And I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because I just had such a blast here in Kansas City that there's really no point to, to talking about my disappointment in, in the culinary choices. However, you know what? It was dollar hot dog night. So dollar hot dog night, that's always a great time at the ballpark. So I was able to buy a couple of hot dogs for a dollar. The uh, the garlic fries were, were somewhat disappointing. You know, it's going to be tough to top the garlic fries over at City Field. But the the food is probably the one thing that they may want to look at here. You know, I keep being told that the Kansas City barbecue, St. Louis barbecue, barbecue is the best. And there were plenty of restaurants that people were telling me to go to outside of the stadium, but I'm here inside the park. Let me see some of that barbecue. No one that I was talking to told me, oh, you've got to go try this vendor. You've got to go try this vendor. This is the one that is the best barbecue, at least in the ballpark. There was none of that. You know, everyone that I was talking to just kind of hemmed and hawed and, ah, you know, try the hot dogs, I guess. And, you no, know, the hot dogs were fine. Um, for a dollar. They were fantastic, but I don't know. I just think that, um, pick up your game a little bit Kansas city. Let's get some better food options here. Uh, that's pretty much my only complaint about the ballpark though. So if that's all you're doing poorly, you're doing a pretty good job. So with that being said, we have now reached the end of another episode of rounding third. I'm heading down South. I'm heading to Texas. Uh, I think uh, Houston is going to be next on the docket, So. I'm almost a third of the way through this tour. It is going by so unbelievably fast, but I'm having pretty much the time of my life. Uh, If you got any questions for me, as always, shoot me an email at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. That's all spelled out, roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. You can always contact me directly through the website at uh, roundingthird.net. You can follow me on Twitter at roundingthirdmj. As always, I want to thank Blake White for recording the gorgeous theme song for me. I want to thank uh, Icarus Ronan for his uh, tireless efforts to help me out with the web design. And uh, Krishna Jane for just his magnificent photo editing work. And I want to thank all of you for listening. I will see you next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. rounding third with Manish Jain